Well, good morning. So glad that you're able to join us from your living room at church uh, in your home uh, here at North Church. We're just so glad that we get to extend this to your living room. So glad that you've joined us today with whether you're by yourself or with your family. We're going to continue on our series going through the book of Acts. And we are in Acts chapter 10 this morning. So if you have your Bible or your iBible, whatnot, you can turn to Acts chapter 10. But before we jump in, um, I'm a huge sports fan. I don't know if there's anyone out there that's big sports fans. I live for sports. I watch a lot of sports. In the past three to four months, I have been going crazy because there's no sports. And you turn on ESPN, which is the greatest channel on earth, and you watch SportsCenter, and you look at the SportsCenter top 10 there's nothing good on it. And the top 10 on SportsCenter is my favorite part uh, of ESPN in general because it shows the 10 best sports plays of that given week. And so when you watch that, you've just seen these amazing athletes do these amazing uh, sports feats. And you're just getting jacked up and you're getting pumped up and you're watching these. You're like, wow. And then you want to go out and do something yourself. And None of that's there. And so I'm going crazy, but I'm super hopeful that the NBA is actually going to start back up and we can resume watching some sports. But here's what the book of Acts is. The book of Acts is kind of like the sports center top 10, but in its prime. And it's this book of Acts, it's the collection of some of the greatest stories of what, what God did in the early church. And so as we look at these stories in the book of Acts, these like highlights of what God was doing, it should get us pumped up and excited for what God is doing in our church here today. And the power of the gospel that we see all through the book of Acts, it's the same gospel that we believe in today. And the people that we see in the book of Acts, they're regular people. They're just like you and me. And so when we see God moving powerfully through these people, we can be assured that God is the same God then as he is now and that he will use you and me in incredible ways. And so in Acts chapter 10, we're going to look at a story of Peter and this guy named Cornelius. And not to be confused with Yukon Cornelius, completely separate character. But Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, what we see is he is a Roman centurion living in Caesarea. And what we see in the Bible is it says that Cornelius, he was a God-fearing man, which essentially means at the time that he knew about God, but he had no personal relationship with him. And as a result, Cornelius was trying to figure out more on who is God. And so what happens is God sends this angel to Cornelius and this angel appears to him and says, go find this man named Peter. He's staying in this, in this house in the town of Joppa. Bring him back for he has a message for you. And so Cornelius, he was a centurion. So he was a soldier. He knows how to follow orders. So he said, yes, okay, Lord, I will do that. And so he sends some of his people to go and find Peter. And so here's where we pick up in chapter 10, verse 9 where it says, the next day as Cornelius's messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on a flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. 
But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Now, I think this is just a really nice way to say that Peter was getting, he was praying, he was getting hungry, and he fell asleep. I've been there myself, where you go away and you go and try and pray, you're trying to concentrate, but then you get hungry and ultimately you just fall asleep. And I think that's what happened to Peter. The Bible's trying to probably be nice. He just falls asleep. And then here's what happens. He falls asleep and he has this dream or this vision. And then this is what it says in 11. It says, he saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In this sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. Now, what we see here is Peter has this vision or this dream of these like this sheet coming down and all these little animals in it. And he's like, I'm kind of hungry, Lord. And God's like, great, here's some animals. Let's prepare a meal. And Peter is like, no, I can't eat that because those are unclean. And in Jewish culture at the time, there were animals that were deemed unclean. And they were not allowed to eat them. Jewish people couldn't eat certain things. And if they did, they did eat these, then they themselves were deemed unclean. And they would be ostracized. They would, um, uh, couldn't be around people. And they would have to go through all these little processes to be deemed clean again. And so, you know, Peter saw these animals come down. He's like, I can't eat that. I can't eat those. I've, I'm a, I've never under Jewish law eaten anything impure. But look at God's reply here in verse 15. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. So God says to Peter, essentially, Peter, don't you dare declare something unclean if I offer it to you and I have made it clean. So here's what we're going to see in this chapter here. The first thing is that the gospel, it redefines our identity. Peter was still living under this assumption of his old identity as a, a faithful Jewish man. And the Bible makes it very clear that from birth, we are all sinners and we are all unclean. We are, from the time that we are born, we are evil um, and we need something or someone to save us and make us clean. And outside of Christ, our identity is evil. It's prideful. It's selfish. We are spiritually dead and we are completely unclean as individuals. We may not like to think about it in that way, but it, what it means is that we need Christ and we cannot do it on our own. We can't be good enough on our own to make ourselves clean. But the good news is, is that we have God that sent his son, Jesus, to change that. Jesus redefines our identity. That's the power of the gospel. Paul says that we have been washed clean and made new. Or in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and the new life has begun. That when we say yes to Jesus, the gospel itself, it redefines our identity and who we are. So here, you know, God's like, Peter, I can make stuff that you see unclean, I can make it clean. You yourself, that you might see yourself as unclean, I can make it clean is what Jesus says. Peter needed to understand this. 
because Peter was about to be in a situation where he needed to break down some really intense barriers. So here's what happens in verse 19. So meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over this vision, which I think I would too, if animals descended on a sheet, you know, from the sky, I'd be puzzled as well. The Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, before they even said anything, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. Now, as we read this, it seems like a really clear Bible example, right? Someone gets sent to Peter. Peter has a dream to go to this person. Peter's going to go to this person and they're going to be saved. And it's great. We can almost, uh, if we've read the Bible at all, if you've read the Bible at all, you can almost kind of see what is going to happen. It seems like a typical Bible example. But without some other knowledge or depth into this, we might miss that there are some huge barriers. And that Acts chapter 10, this is why it makes like, the top 10 list, because in Acts chapter 10, this was a pivotal moment in the history of the church. According um, to social standards, to culture and to society of that day, Peter and Cornelius would have been enemies, enemies. They would not have liked each other at all, and they would have never been seen hanging out together. But here's the deal is that not only does the gospel redefine our our identity, the gospel breaks down barriers. And even though Peter had been living under this old identity, what God was showing Peter is that you need to live into your new identity and the gospel will break down these barriers. So what does that look like for us today when you think about, well, who is your enemy? Or who is way different than you? And everyone is wondering at this time, what's Peter going to do? You know, Peter's kind of fiery. He's feisty. He's stubborn. You know, one time he chopped a guy's ear off. So like, who knows what Peter's going to do? And before we see the end of the story, we need to understand the depth of the barriers that Peter had to step into right here. First is there is a social barrier. Cornelius, he was a Roman centurion. And so what does that mean? Is that the Romans at the time, they ruled over Israel. They were the dominant um, society at the time and they uh, ruled over and they were like the oppressors to the people of Israel. They were enslaved by uh, Caesar and by the Romans. And so when any uh, faithful person in Israel or a Jew would have encountered a Roman, there would be no love between these two, especially a soldier who would have oppressed people in that time. Think of that today. What does that look like today when we see these social barriers between people? For, you know, it's really easy to see the political barriers, that you see these two, uh, two different groups or sometimes multiple different groups, and they just have such extreme differences. They both feel like each other is wrong. 
both feel like maybe each other is trying to oppress one another and to be caught with another person of a different political mindset would just be absurd. We see that in some of the, the different riots taking place or in some of the, the different things that are happening. You see these two groups who just seem like they have hate for each other or multiple groups who just cannot understand and do not want to dialogue at all. There's also an economic barrier at this time. So Cornelius, he lived, lived in Caesarea. You know, and what that is, is this was a beautiful beach city that the Romans, they had, the Romans had poured a bunch of money into it. And this place, it had beautiful buildings, it had architecture, it was wonderful. And if Cornelius, he was living there, more than likely he would have had an education, he had money, he had a nice house. And look at Peter. Peter didn't live there. Peter, he had, uh, is someone who was unemployed at the time. He was unemployed following Jesus around for years. He had no money. He had no education. In fact, he was living with someone else at the time. He was crashing on their couch. And as we think of that barrier, think of today as well. There are, we see economic barriers and division all over our city and our nation. And the most important barrier here, and the one that would have been the most significant was the racial barrier. This would have been by far the most significant and impactful barrier between these two. Because just as Jews saw certain animals as unclean, at the time they also viewed certain people as unclean, namely the Gentiles. And as a Roman soldier, they would have viewed the, uh, this Roman soldier or Cornelius they would have viewed them as a Gentile and they are an unclean person. So what that means is as a Jew, if you were not only caught eating unclean animals, but if you were seen uh, uh, um, being with unclean people or Gentiles, again, you would have been deemed unclean yourself. You would have been ostracized. You would have been thrown out. You wouldn't be able, be able to be around people. You would have had to go through these rites and rituals and processes to be deemed clean again. And so... As you know, he was a, a Gentile, Cornelius, and how Peter was of a Jewish heritage. If you so much touched a Gentile, you would have been unclean. There were significant barriers between these two people. And we see uh, throughout the Gospels, Jesus interacting with Gentiles and Pharisees getting so upset that he would do that. And today, as we think about racial barriers, today, racism is still very real. It's all over our world, and it's in our own country, and it's in our own backyard many of the time. So all over the world, there's, there is this that takes place. And as we read through this, we begin to understand why Peter was chosen by God to go and meet with Cornelius, because he was one of the most stubborn people Peter was. Peter said, you know, he had to think through all these barriers that, you know, at the time, uh, the, the, the church, they had kind of stalled because for the, uh, 
this first period leading up into Acts 10, the church and the gospel had only moved with really within the Jewish context. Only Jews had received the gospel and it had not gone out from that. So Peter had to think through these social and economical and racial barriers and to think, am I gonna be the one who goes out of this group, out of these Jewish believers, people that looked like me, acted like me, and that now are believing in Christ, I had to go out of that and I could be ridiculed. I could be shamed. Who knows what could happen? So here's what takes place. Then Peter said, you know what? Who cares what others think? I need to break through this barrier because the gospel breaks through barriers. So in verse 23, so Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. And Peter told them, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile's home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as unpure or unclean. This is what Peter walked into. He says, you know, as a Jewish man, I can't be in a Gentile home. I'm not allowed to associate with you. You're different than me. But God showed me I no longer should think like this. I don't think of anyone as impure or unclean. Why is this important? Because like I said, up until this moment, the Jewish people, they were the ones that were receiving the gospel and the church had stalled out. But when Peter made this decision, all of a sudden there was this chain reaction that took place because then we see that the gospel, not only did it spread within the Jewish context, but then it spread in the Gentile context and in, in the, in the gospel began to spread all over the world because one man, Peter, was willing to go to a place where he may be around people who are different than him, who don't think like him, who might have a different racial, back, uh, racial uh, ethnicity than him or come from a different place than him. But he went there anyways and he broke down this barrier. And because of that, there was a chain reaction where more and more people who followed Christ did the same. And then the gospel went all around the world. And then here's what, what Peter replied in 34, he said, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. I just wanna say that we are called to do the same. We're called to break down barriers. And the key to this breaking these barriers down, as we see here, is that Peter says, in every nation, he accepts those who fear him. The key is acceptance. Acceptance of our brothers and sisters, acceptance from people who are different than us, and we accept them into our home. It may not mean that we fully agree with their choices or their lifestyle, but we still have to accept them as humans and be in relationship and community with them. As we accept one another, just as Christ accepted us, in the midst of who I am. And as we look into our nation right now, the key to see others experience the gospel is not just a political win. Sometimes we wanna fight for that. Like if we can just have this policy and if we can just vote for that and, and we get that, then something will change. But the reality is, is that 
if we want to see others experience the gospel, no political win will ever soften the heart of people who are far from God. It takes individuals like you and me to accept others and reveal to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul says. Remember that verse in 2 Corinthians where he says that you're a new creation. And being a new creation of Christ, it doesn't mean that you just get to continue to live your life how you thought. Here's what he says in 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. But then here's verse 18. Paul says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that means? That means that as just as Christ reconciled you and me back to him, we are to enter into a ministry of reconciliation. And that means that what God wants ultimately is one day all people will be reconciled back to him. And that there would be this picture in heaven that would be black, white, brown, yellow, all different uh, nationalities and ethnicities worshiping God in heaven. And that it is our job as faith believers and as Christ followers to enter into the ministry of reconciliation. And that doesn't just mean fighting for political wins. That means reconciling and accepting others into our own life and breaking down social barriers and breaking down economic barriers and breaking down and breaking through racial barriers where there is strife and where there is anger. We are to be agents of reconciliation who bring hope and life and bring reconciliation of two different people back into unity with one one another and with God. All over the world, there's racism today. And for, for me, there was a, a period of time that it seemed like a lost cause. I felt like, why am I handed the sins of prior generations and current racism? And I think back through history, whether it be Jewish uh, genocide, whether it be uh, at the African slave trade or going all the way back to the beginning of time, there's always been racism. And the sad thing is, is that more than likely because we live in an evil world, there will always be racism. And for me, it feels like a lost cause sometimes. And why am I handed the sins of what others and current people do today and now have to try and fix that. But it's so much more important than that because what we see in what Paul says is that as Christians, all throughout history, Christians have had to steward the ministry of reconciliation. And that today, what we do today to enter into that ministry of reconciliation is incredibly important. And God opened my eyes up to this over the last few years, that what we do today matters. When we engage into the ministry of reconciliation, it matters. That we are to steward the church. We are to steward the ministry of reconciliation to bring people back into unity at whatever the cost. That when we die and we lay on our deathbed, we can know that I entered in and I was an agent of reconciliation. That I sought 
or change to take place. I sought for people to be back into unity with one another and with God. You know, we do this amazing job as a church here, I believe, as North Church. I believe that we do a good job reaching out and accepting others. But you know, we still have room to grow. We still have room to grow in our own, indiv- indiv- as individuals, how we think and what we believe. As a church, how we accept other people from different cultures, from different backgrounds. Like I said, I've been on this journey to begin this ministry of reconciliation. And namely, it's between our African-American brothers and sisters and with our white ones. And it, for me, it began here, a few years ago at a conference at Life Center. And Pastor Joe Whitworth was teaching on uh, a message on racism. And at the end of it, my heart was just so grieved and I began m- being moved to tears. And then uh, a year later, just last year, I was at the Whitworth Ministry Summit. And the pastor, David Swanson, was speaking again on racism and how we can equip the church to bridge a divide and and to reach real discipleship through uh, multi-generational and multi-ethnicities. And that began uh, something that God did inside of me, that I realized that I need to enter into this ministry of reconciliation and so I began to seek other people out. I began to seek out uh, a friend now over at Shiloh Hills, just across the street from our church here, Pastor Thomas. And, and Pastor Thomas is an amazing African-American pastor. And he began to uh, reveal in me some of my own insecurities. He began to reveal in me some of the areas that I wasn't thinking correctly he began to, sh- uh, to not only pastor me in this area, but also to help me grow in this ministry of reconciliation. We began to read a bu- book together and we would discuss it and we would discuss in his office or here at the church. And we began this friendship to understand how can we bring our churches into greater unity around Christ, that we are to be agents of reconciliation And I believe that's not just for me. I believe that's for all of us. We are all to enter into the ministry of reconciliation because the gospel, not only does it redefine our identity or break down barriers, but it empowers its people. The gospel empowers its people. So what happens is Peter is with this group, he goes to Cornelius and he's with this group of people and kind of short story is as Peter is preaching and he's telling them this, this story that the Holy Spirit in mid story falls on all these people and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter's like, who wants to get baptized? And people are getting baptized. And what we see is through Peter and his willingness to go and break this barrier down, Cornelius and his whole family was one of the first Gentile converts to follow Christ. And in, 40, in verse 42, he's, this is what Peter said. And he said, he, talking about Jesus, ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all. And what Peter's referring to is Jesus' final words where he says, you will be my witnesses in uh, all of Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's reflecting this, that these final words that Jesus gave him, that he said, he ordered us to preach everywhere that we have been empowered 
And you and me, we are to be empowered in our new identity to break down barriers through accepting others as Christ accepted us. Now, I know for some of you, you would rather be struck by lightning than to go and share the gospel with a friend, let alone someone far different from you. But can I just tell you as a new creation, that means that you are now a steward of the ministry of reconciliation that God, through Jesus, established by reconciling you and me back to him. And then he said, go and do the same. That it can sound super terrifying, but it's as easy as saying, here's who I used to be. Then Jesus met me and here's who I am now. And being able to share what God has done in you, that that God will empower you. The gospel empowers us to bridge divides through social barriers. The gospel empowers us through this new identity to bridge the divide where there's economic barriers and where there is racial barriers as well. We should be the church who enters into this ministry of reconciliation, that we accept others. And through that, I believe that God can can do some amazing things to start a new revival in our church and in our city and in our nation and around the world because the gospel is the very key to bringing unity amongst people where there is division. And I just wanna invite you right now as we pray that if you have never said yes to Christ before, that if you've never accepted him into your heart, I wanna let you know that Jesus, he died for you. And that although you were unclean and you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bear the punishment of your sins for you and me. And while we were unclean, Christ made us clean. And that you can be a new creation today as well. That the old can be gone and the new can come. And with that comes not only being reconciled back to God and being in unity with him, but then we get to walk and live in the ministry of reconciliation with others. And if you wanna say yes to Christ today, I wanna invite you to do that right now as we pray. And as you pray, I just want you to pray this simple prayer. That what it comes down to is you just saying, I believe in you, God. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that, that he died on the cross for you, you will be saved. And so would you just, where you're at, in your own home, in your own living room, just start by saying, God, I believe in you. Lord, would you forgive me? And where I'm unclean, would you make me clean? Forgive me of my sin. God, I wanna be reconciled back to you. Lord, make me a new creation. Come into my life, come into my heart. And with that, I wanna follow you as Lord and Savior. I wanna be an agent of reconciliation in our world. I love you and I will follow you. If you just prayed that prayer, that was the best decision you could have ever made. That right now in this moment, you are a new creation. And as a church, we wanna help you with that. 
reach out to us. You can email us at info at northchurch.net and we want to connect with you and to help you establish uh, good, healthy patterns and lifestyle on your new spiritual journey. And for, for the rest of us, would you just pray? Pray, pray that um, we would break through some of these di divisional barriers, that we would be agents and steward the ministry of reconciliation well. God, with that, Lord, we confess in areas of our life where we have not done that. Lord, in my own life, where I have not been an agent of reconciliation, to bridge divides, Lord, would you forgive me of that? Forgive me for not stewarding that ministry well. God, I wanna walk in a path in the ministry of reconciliation that people might not just be able to get along, but people would find themselves in unity with one another, that they would find themselves in unity with you. God, they'd find themselves in community with one another, in community with you. Lord, how we need you in our church and in our city and in our nation. God, it is you and the gospel of Jesus Christ alone that will soften hearts. God, it is the gospel alone that will bridge the divide. God, empower us as people who follow you. Empower us to, to bring the gospel and to, to, to lost people, to different people. God, empower us to accept others who are different from us. Just as you have accepted us, may we accept others. Even though their political decisions and their political mindset might be different. Even though their, their ethnicity might be different. Even though their culture might be different. The, the, their worldview might be different. God, allow us and empower us to love people well, accept people well and bring the gospel to them and that they might be reconciled back to you, that peace would be established and you would rule and reign and that we might live in unity with one another. God, we settle for nothing less. Thank you for who you are and what you do. We pray this in your name, amen. I'm caught up in your presence And I just want to sit here at your feet And I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Oh, I here for blessing and Jesus you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do 
purposes and let our hearts desires Lord be to delight you to please you Lord there's areas within ourselves Lord that we are just unrelinquishing Lord and unwilling to move Lord we just ask for your forgiveness and we just bring repentance and we ask Lord you to turn our hearts around towards Lord the things that that you're passionate about, the things that you want to pursue, the things that you want reconciliation, Lord. I pray that we let our hearts line up with yours. Things that burden you and that grieve you, that grieve us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you're with us, Lord. You're, You're leading us into reconciliation with people, to love people the way you love people, to care for people the way you care for people meet needs the way you meet needs, Lord. Just open up our hearts and our minds and our lifestyle, Lord, towards you. Let us reorient ourselves towards you. And Lord, let our actions, Lord, delight your heart. Because we just want you. We just want you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.